Hello again, beautiful listener. It's me, Damien Barr, welcoming you to another Salon exclusive where you get to be the first to hear about the upcoming books that we are most excited about. Now, this is a little bit of a cheat because this one is already out and everybody loves it. It is a sensation. It was selected uh, as a book of the year by the New Statesman, The Observer, The Irish Times and Stylist and The Sunday Times said, please believe the hype. You may already have guessed the book that I am talking about. It is by Meg Nolan and the book is Acts of Desperation, a story about a young woman who moves from small town Ireland to the big city of Dublin where boozing and a string of temporary jobs lead to a really fractured existence. This is a very internet book. These conditions are fertile ground for our unnamed protagonist, who could, let's face it, be any one of us, to pursue a romantic obsession that causes her to teeter on the brink of self-obliteration. Here's Meg with a reading. Let's listen in. Hello, I'm Megan Nolan and I'm thrilled to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my book, Acts of Desperation. Acts of Desperation is a novel told from the perspective of an unnamed narrator, a young woman in Dublin who is obsessively in love with a man named Kieran. At the point that I'll read to you from, my narrator has just been left by Kieran for his ex-girlfriend. She's given up everything for this relationship. She has thought of nothing else, and now she has to learn to live without him. So here's a short reading from Acts of Desperation. I liked when it had been a day or two since he had last showered, this small act of sharing. When he had been cycling, he would be covered in a thin film of soot from the traffic and the dirt and oil from his bicycle would rub off on me. I inhaled the warm, damp smell of his hair. I put my face against his soft flannel shirt to where I could smell the stale, sour, but somehow not bad after-work smell of him. Once he had finished complaining about whatever had irritated him that day, or on his journey home, he would turn to me, as though seeing me for the first time. He would still be wearing the ratty fingerless gloves and would put his hands on either side of my face, covering my ears, so I couldn't hear anything, nor did I want to. Once, he had asked me what sex smelled like, as I spent many minutes nudging different parts of him. It smells like a greenhouse, I said, thinking of how it felt when we had finished and were lying beneath the blanket, and the smell travelled up and was close and dense in that way, and gave the same feeling of infinite capacity. Every moment of my day was saturated by his absence. Each second made damp, collapsing and airless beneath it. I sat staring into space for hours at a time, unable to move beneath the weight. I enjoyed my pain because it made me less than ever. I was nothing but living nerves, a petri dish of matter. I had no characteristics outside of it. Kieran had hated that I was indecisive. He had hated when he would ask where I wanted to go to dinner and I would shrug and say I didn't mind and he should just choose. He hated when I wanted him to tell me what outfit looked best. He wanted me to grow up, to know what things I wanted and be able to say them out loud. He wanted me to not be the negative space which would fit in around his positive presence. And because I knew this, because I knew he might be able to truly love me if only I could be a real person, I failed even harder. I panicked and beamed great big bland incurious smiles beneath the frightening totality of his gaze. 
I smiled and smiled until I cried, but still could not produce a single decision or statement to please him, to be convincingly myself. And now he had left me, and I was even less than that again, so much less. Now there was no thought that did not have to do with him, and I did not want anything that wasn't him. I squeezed my eyes shut and thought of the things I would give up for him to return. I could not identify a single thing in my life I would not sacrifice in an instant for him, any place I would not go. I could renounce every last person I knew, leave them to their lives which seemed only grey negatives of the real life I would be able to live with Kieran. I would move with him anywhere on earth and need nothing. I spent my time searching for everything I could find of him online. I made a folder where I deposited the most important items. All photographs of him made me cry, and to come across one I hadn't seen before was so sad and beautiful that it made life seem almost good again. That there were angles of him I'd never seen, ways he was in the world I hadn't been around long enough to witness. It was so lovely and painful that I found it impossible to believe I wouldn't see them myself one day. When did you know that you and Freya would break up? I'd asked him once, in our few discussions about her. I never did, really, he had told me. I still don't think of her that way. We had to leave each other, but you never know what's going to happen later. Life is long. Life is long. I refracted his words and bent them back to mean something good for me. You never knew. The best things I found were pictures of us together, which I had never known existed. I was searching his friend's pages for news of him and came across a photo set from a launch in Project Art Centre in Temple Bar. In one photo I'm wearing a thin grey t-shirt with a scoop neck and I'm pretty and flushed as I look up at him, laugh at something he says, his beautiful face cracked wide open with glee. His hand is on my shoulder and I thrilled to see it there in public record, normally so strange about being physical in front of others. There's something about a beautiful boy's face. Not handsome or attractive or cute, but beautiful. Why are they so moving when I see so many beautiful girls every day? It isn't fair, I know. A boy who is beautiful seems to have pushed through the mud and cement of his gender. His beautiful face seems carved out of the rawest materials. There was something about such a face, in any case, which made me believe intuitively that the boy was good. If not on the surface, then in some other place you may have to dig down to find. I, who would have laughed at such a sentiment about a beautiful girl, who knew how fleeting and unreliable and meaningless our beauty was, I still was taken in by the beautiful faces of boys. I looked for him online every day and murmured with feeling when I saw him in some particularly revealing pose. Gnawing on his fingernails in the corner of a reading, looking flushed and uncomfortable at an opening speech during Dublin City Culture Night. I went back years and harvested what I could. I was friends with enough friends of his to have a good sense of where he would be most weeks, which openings he would go to and screenings he might attend. I didn't go to them, aware I'd probably see her there. Once I walked into a pub to meet a friend after work and thought I saw the top of his downy head peeking out of a snug in the corner. I swung around and ran down an alley that smelled of piss and had to press my temples with my knuckles until the pain blacked everything else out and my heart drifted back to normal speed. The loss of someone you love can make you go mad in the best of circumstances. I did not just love Kieran, but loved him darkly, wrongly. Losing someone you love in those ways can turn you not only mad, but wicked too. 
When he left me, I dreamed of the two of them sometimes, woke up sweating. I thought of going to his house and hammering on the window until they let me in. I dreamed that march of killing her and woke oddly calm, thinking repetitively, well, stranger things have happened, well, stranger things have happened. I had slipped into his room as they slept and stood looking at them from the doorway. Moonlight was on their faces and made them look beautiful and already dead. I wrapped her dark hair around my fist and cracked her skull against the wall. One, two. And because it was a dream, I was strong enough to move her entire body in a violent wave with one hand. Her mouth is opening and dribbling and bubbling and there was a black stain on the headboard behind. Her long, thin arm was twitching and grasping uselessly until it wasn't. Beside her, Kieran watched calmly his eyes raising to meet mine once she had stopped breathing, and then turned back toward the wall in the same position he always slept, dragging the blanket tight around him. At night sometimes I called Lisa, the only person I could say the truth, the, the truth to, the truth that was so basic and so large. I need him, I need him, I sobbed to her. I can't do it, I'm not able to do it, meaning to live, to go on living without him. And I loved her for not bothering to contradict me. Not bothering to tell me that I didn't need anybody, that I would get over it. She knew, knew always, that she herself did not need anybody else to live. But this difference between the two of us didn't make my experience any less real than her own. She had seen how actual my need was with her own eyes. And when once I gasped, I'm alone, I'm so alone, I'm scared. She didn't pretend that I wasn't. I know you are, she agreed. You are. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you for joining us on the show, Meg. It is lovely to have you here. Oh, the young woman, that narrator's loneliness is positively palpable and it raises the questions of what length we will go to for the object or objects of our desires. Is obsession truly love, or is it the inevitable consequence of a lack of self-love? Well, this is a question for you and your therapist. Once again, a big thank you to Meg Nolan for her darkly thought-provoking novel. Acts of Desperation is available now in paperback. It's published by our fine friends over at Vintage, and you can get a copy in all good bookshops. As always, we encourage you to shop locally, and if you've got a Waterstones near you and you can pop in, you might find their exclusive edition featuring sprayed edges, or spreadies, as we call them in the business. As always, I hope you'll share this episode with your friends and ask that you rate us on Spotify, iTunes, or just in your heart, really, because that's the most important place. Thank you for listening and happy reading as ever.